You know, as I gathered with you earlier this morning at Holy Family Church, and then began this March for Life united with our brothers and sisters who are in Washington, D.C. And as I look out over this congregation this afternoon, I mean, I, I can't help to be inspired by all of you as we walk together in support of human life. I can't help to be filled with great hope in what I've seen and experienced this morning. I'm inspired and filled with hope because each one of you, each one of you is a voice for the voiceless. Each one of you is a voice for the voiceless. By your presence, each one of you are crying out for that child in the womb who has no voice, who in the eyes of many in our culture has no rights. Friends, this is why we are here today. This is why we stand for life. We must be the voice of those who have no voice, whether they're in the womb or out of the womb. We must be that voice in our culture, in our society today. So we gather to pray for those unborn children who are never, were never allowed to take their first breath. We gather for those who were never allowed to open their eyes to see the light of day. That's why we're here. And we pray for the end of this great evil that is so prevalent in our culture, which so many people defend as women's health care. We are here today to pray and pray and pray and pray and to be that voice of the voiceless. Think about this. You know, the womb of the mother should be the place, safest place for human life to enter into the world. It should be the safest place. But sadly, because of the laws of this country, not just this country, but in countries around the world, it has become the most dangerous place in this country. Over 61 million lives have been taken away since that day in 1973. Imagine 61 million people who was, were never allowed to open their eyes to the light of the day. That's why we are here today. That's why we're marching. That's why we're speaking out. And we pray for the end of this great evil that is so prevalent. We're here today to pray and pray and pray. Human, human life, as we all know, has its ori origin in God, our creator. We just heard St. Paul tell us, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing as he chose us in him before, before the foundation of the world. Imagine, you were in God's mind, in his eye, before the foundation of the world. Think about that. Before the foundation of the world. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. These words are in the very first book of scripture. 
That's why they're so important. You in the words of St. John Paul II in Evangelium Vitae, the gospel of life, he said this, I quote, to celebrate the gospel of life means to celebrate the God of life. The God who gives life. In every child which is born and in every person who lives or dies, we see the image, we see the image of God's glory. You are the image of God's glory. Did you see that when you looked at yourself in the mirror this morning? Seriously, if we don't start thinking about that, the glory of God in each one of us, think about that. So, we, so he says we celebrate this glory in every human being, a sign of the living God. Not only that, an icon of Jesus, an icon of Jesus. Do you see yourself as an icon of Jesus? If we don't see ourselves as an icon of Jesus, how can we see others as that? And we won't. This is where it all begins, is to see who we are so that we can go out and truly defend life in all its stages to its fullness. You know, the womb, the womb is that sacred place. Where God first encountered us. Think about that. The womb is that sacred place where God first encountered us. His very image is impressed on the human person. What it means to be created in his image and likeness. His very image is impressed on each human person. Each and every person reflects his beauty and his glory. As we heard, every human being is a sign of the living God, is an icon of Jesus Christ. In the words of St. John Damascene, he says, icons of Christ, icons of Christ are filled with the Holy Spirit. Icons of Christ are filled with the Holy Spirit. They are filled with God's Spirit. You know, the gospel today reveals how we should respond to the gift of new life. It's a beautiful story. We've heard it so many times. But in the story of the visitation, we see Mary, an unmarried woman who is newly pregnant with an infant Jesus, going in haste to the aid of her cousin Elizabeth, who is herself pregnant as an older woman. Luke tells us at the very moment that Elizabeth heard the sound of Mary's voice, the infant in Elizabeth's womb leaped for joy. The womb, from the womb of his own mother, John the Baptist recognized. From the womb, he recognized the presence of Jesus hidden in the womb of Mary. Every child in the womb of of a mother is the presence of Jesus because that child has been created in God's image and likeness. 
And Elizabeth responds with those familiar and beautiful words, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how does this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Both John in the womb and Elizabeth, his mother, recognized the life hidden within Mary's womb, the one who is to be their savior and our savior. You know, the gospel's passage today, I think, so tenderly illustrates the humanity of all unborn children created in God's own image and likeness. So every new life should be greeted with the same joyful enthusiasm that led, the John, that led John the Baptist to literally leap in the womb of his mother. We gather here this today, we march and we stand up to every single human life, both inside the womb and outside the womb. You know, a few years ago when Pope Francis was here in the United States for the World Meeting of Families in Philadelphia, when he was in Washington in a homily to the bishops at St. Matthew's Cathedral in Washington, he specifically linked the innocent victims of abortion to many other pro-life issues. He said this, the innocent, innocent victim of abortion, children who die of hunger or from bombings, immigrants who drown in search for a better tomorrow, the elderly or the sick who are considered a burden, the victims of terrorism, wars, violence, and drug trafficking, the environment devastated by man's predatory relationship with nature. He said, at the stake in all of this is the gift of God, of which we are noble stewards, not masters. I don't have time to break open that first reading from Genesis, but God gave us to have dominion not domination. It's a huge difference. Dominion. It's a beautiful reflection. Not domination. Our culture, our world today seems to have domination and not dominion. So we cannot be silent in regards to the many sicknesses of our society. But you know, the way that we eradicate this grave sin of abortion in society, the way we protect life in all its stages, the way we respect the lives of those who are different, ethically, socially, economically, the migrants, the imprisoned, the mentally challenged, is to learn to love. All of us must learn to love. Like the unborn, many of these are hidden, or they, they are the hidden of our society. We must learn to love them. In the words of Mother Teresa, they are all Jesus. They were all Jesus in disguise. They, were all, they are all Jesus in disguise. The sickness of our society today is our failure to love. Plain and simple, I can't make it any more simple than that. It's our failure to love. As the Apostle John writes, he says, if God so loved us, we must also love one another, all people. No one has ever seen God, yet if we love one another, God remains in us and his love, his love is brought to perfection in us.
Who wouldn't want that? Who doesn't want that? The perfection of God's love within us. If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he is a liar. For whoever does not love a brother whom he has, he, that he has seen, whoever does not love a brother or a sister or a child whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. It's all about love. This movement, pro-life movement, must be all about love. And each of us m must learn to love over and over and over, deeper and deeper and deeper. Every child who, rather than being born, is condemned unjustly to being aborted, every child like that bears the face of Jesus Christ bears the face of the Lord, even who, who even before he was born, and then just after birth, experienced the world's rejection. These are Pope Francis's words, not mine. And every elderly person, even if he or she is ill or at the end of his or her days, bears the face of Christ. He said they cannot be discarded, as the culture of waste suggests. This is our culture, a culture that lacks love. Do not conform yourselves to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may discern what is the will of God, St. Paul says, what is good and pleasing and perfect. It is Jesus, it is Jesus, my dear friends, who teaches us how to love so that our love will be his love. And then his love through us will transform our society. It's all about love. Pope St. John Paul II, this true hero of the gospel of life, he once said this, he says, if, if faith does not become culture, If faith does not become culture, it is a faith that is not fully accepted, not intensely conceived, not faithfully lived. Our task is to live our faith, all of us, so intensely that we generate a culture of life, a society which welcomes the weak and the poor, that makes a place for every child at the table, where people are more important than money, where the sick and dying are cherished and cared for, and where all people are worthy of our attention. It's all about love. And now we see it's about living our faith intensely. When faith is not fully lived, this is what happens. When faith is not fully lived, the path of least resistance, the path of least suffering, the path that is most self-satisfactory will most likely be the first choice. You know, this culture of death was coined by um, John Paul II, and it's an accurate description of the great divide in our Western culture, which seeks to promote this so-called quality of life instead of the sanctity of life. And because every human life is created in God's dignity and likeness, we believe that every, each and every human life 
no matter what stage it's in, is valuable. If not, then no human life is valuable. If we believe that that life in the womb is not valuable, then you must believe that your own life is not valuable. If the dignity and value of a human being is rooted in anything other than being made in this image and likeness of this God who profoundly loves us, then that dignity would always be fragile and never permanent. It's about love. God's infinite love for each one of us helps us to grasp our identity and our own worth. The recognition of this dignity in our own life, an intentional recognition of this dignity in our own life, leads you and me to respect and protect every person's life, including our own. And it ought to be at the core of whatever decisions that we ever make. This is the true message of hope to which you and I are called to witness, to go out and tell the world that you are, you are an icon of Jesus Christ. You are a masterpiece of God's creation, no matter who it is. By our prayers and by our actions, by the way we treat other people, then we help to shape the world in which we live. That this culture of life will truly become reality in its fullest sense. So will it be a world where the quality of life ethic reigns and no permanent value is recognized or a world in which the sanctity of life ethic prevails and everyone is treated to their immeasurable worth, which nothing or no one can take away. This is up to each one of us, and this is why we are here today. I have the greatest hope that all of us will continue to choose the sanctity of life ethic and promote it everywhere we go. But, one caveat, we know that because of human weakness, in each one of us. Each of us must guard against the temptation toward the path of least resistance. That temptation will always be there for every single one of us. It's there every single day of our life. So again, our task is to live our faith so intensely that Jesus will keep us living the sanctity of life ethic and he will live through us. He will live through us. So friends, we all know that the March for Life is about more than one, just one day out of 365. It's an opportunity today, though, to recall why we stand for life. But now we will go home and continue to defend human life in our communities, won't we? Yes, we will. So I suggest that we, we fast and pray for this year round, not just this month in January or this month or this week in January, year around until the sanctity of life becomes the heart of our culture. And let us place our trust in the Lord and ask for his continued guidance as we continue to fight for the sanctity of all human life.
But just one last note. We must also remember that the gospel of Jesus is not a gospel of judgment. It's a gospel of love and mercy. The gospel of Jesus is about mercy. Mercy for the innocent and defenseless child in the womb. Mercy for frightened and overwhelmed mothers in the midst of a difficult pregnancy. Mercy for post-abortive members or mothers or fathers who deeply regret authorizing the killing of their own child. Mercy for the, for the abortion advocates who verbally attack us and label us as extremists. It's not a gospel of judgment, it's a gospel of mercy. Mercy for abortion clinic workers, volunteers, and yes, even abortionists. Mercy for anyone. The gospel of Jesus is the gospel of mercy. Mercy for anyone who fails to see the face of Christ in another. In the end, judgment is about condemnation, but mercy is about love. And love is what will heal this culture. Love is what will heal this culture. It's what will heal families. It's what will heal relationships and communities. So as we leave here today, I'm united and with prayer of those who are participating in the March on Washington, as we approach the altar of sacrifice where Jesus will give himself completely to us, let us all renew our call to witness in our own way to the powerful and life-transforming love of Christ and to the respect and reverence that is due each person as an icon of Christ, as a masterpiece of God's creation.